I will speak to you in the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Please be seated. Good morning. When I was a young boy, like every kid, there were all these places I liked to go and things I liked to eat and people I really enjoyed spending time with because of the sincere feeling of joy and happiness they seemed to bring to my life. I have great memories of all of those places and people and things, even though many of them by now have gone forever. Luckily, one of the people I looked up to and loved being with is still with me to this day. That person is my uncle Milton. I love I have an uncle whose name is Milton. Of course, back when he first came into my life and took on the role of my childhood hero, he wasn't quite my uncle just yet. He was actually still a teenager. I was six or seven years old at the time, if I'm remembering correctly, and he was 10 or 11 years my senior back then. It was before he and my aunt got married when they were still just sweet high school sweethearts. But he was around my family all the time. And in my eyes, Milton became one of the coolest dudes I'd ever met. And one of the things I think back then that made him so incredibly cool, other than the fact that he had a beard, was that he owned a Jeep. Now, this was the early 1980s, and I remember that skeleton of an automobile was the coolest vehicle I think I'd ever seen before. And honestly, it was probably the only Jeep I'd ever seen in my life. What stood out in my youthful eyes is that that Jeep almost never had the top on it, especially during the hot summer months. And I don't think I ever remember seeing those little thin vinyl doors that they used to put on Jeeps long ago. Milton would drive that Jeep onto my grandparents' driveway to see my Aunt Karen with ACDC blaring loudly through the speakers from his eight-track tape player. And if I was there, and back then I was almost always at my grandparents' house, if he had the time before he and my aunt went out on their date, he'd always ask me if I'd like to go for a ride in his Jeep. And before my grandmother could stop me, I would say yes and jump in that Jeep and off we'd go. For me, at six or seven years old, those rides in that Jeep were absolute excitement. Probably the most exciting experience I'd ever experienced before at six and seven years old. Cruising down country roads in Kentucky with Bon Scott singing, Let There Be Rock. My ears ringing as we rounded the curves, all the while with a very cool teenager in the driver's seat next to me without one ounce of worry or concern or fear. There was nothing else in my world that mattered during those rides in that moment. Just Milton and me and four wheels and the wind blowing. I really think as a little boy, it must have been without question very close to those experiences the Christian mystics talk about that bring us near to God and near to heaven. Never mind that back in 1981 in that cool Jeep, there wasn't a seatbelt anywhere to be found. And who needed one anyway, I probably would have told you if you'd asked me. How was I to know that in that moment of blissful boyhood nirvana, 
There was nothing but air between me and every tree, car, and truck we zoomed past on the highway. That experience of happiness and joy was just so great, I didn't think about it, nor did I care. Now, 40 years later, I have to be honest with you, if my Uncle Milton were to pull up outside my house again in that cool blue Jeep without the top and without the doors, and if he were to look at me and say, hey, Donovan, let me take your daughter Aoife out on one of those rides like you and me used to have when we were little, I'm positive I'd smile, look him right in the eyes and say, no way, no way. As incredible as my memories are of those great rides, I don't think even I myself would jump in the Jeep anymore. I've changed. I've gotten more educated. I've learned about those scary things. And to this day, I often thank the Lord that we're even alive after all those drives all those years ago. Still, even if I have changed and grown up and seen what happens to Jeeps on the road, I still know why that moment is so memorable in my memory. Remember, I was six or seven years old, and I remember this vividly. We as human beings are always seeking out that something that might somehow feel again like a seven-year-old boy feels when he's riding free, untethered, and at high speed in a wide-open vehicle. Or if that doesn't seem all that exhilarating or freeing or timeless to you this morning, I know you yourselves have the same feeling in some other way yourselves. Those moments and experiences that brought you fully to that wonderful experience of childhood awe and amazement. We long for it, don't we, as we get older and we keep seeking it out one way or another, good or bad, healthy or dangerous throughout the rest of our lives. That closeness to this instant of true joy and happiness seems to be embedded somewhere within us. And I think we come closest to it when we're children and it causes us to long for it for the rest of our lives. The problem is, as we know in this life we live, the older we get, the more we come to realize that no matter what it is we come in contact with, it gives us those brief experiences of heavenly bliss and joy. They just never can last. Think of Jeff Bezos or Richard Branson, who we all watched a couple of weeks back, finally experience what must have been in their minds the greatest moment of their entire lives, finally getting to jump on those rockets and fly up into space. Why did they work so hard or want to do that so much? Well, I think it's the same reason that a seven-year-old boy wants to ride with wild abandonment in a wild, wide open Jeep, or a little girl wants to ride in a wide open Jeep, or any child who dreams again about going to Disney World for the first time, or getting to dance on the stage, or to slide down the big kid's slide. It is that experience that seems to be within us of something fulfilling and exhilarating and joyous beyond measure. That one thing we all never stop seeking out and longing for. And Bezo and Branson thought they were able to get it. That one exciting thing that in the past only the most professional NASA astronauts with years of training and experience could ever do in this country. But at the same time, that incredible groundbreaking experience is still the absolute perfect example of everything we humans struggle with ourselves when we think we can find bliss and joy. 
That whole rocket trip to space lasted 10 minutes and 10 seconds, and then it was over. 10 minutes and 10 seconds that must have changed Bezo and his team's lives and has driven them to do more, but ultimately still was only 10 minutes and 10 seconds, and is now just a memory, a new sense of longing that is still within them and still pushing them as it pushes us. And that's our human experience, isn't it, in this physical, material world and life. We love the experiences we have, and we never forget them, but they never last. Sometimes you might be able to replicate that great meal of beef bourguignon or go catch your favorite play a second time or even watch that wonderful field go kick or that home run hit or that half-court shot over and over again on a screen. But the excitement of the true moment that first taste, that first set of goosebumps on the back of your arms can only happen once. And that's the eternal problem. And it all connects us with that greatest and hardest of human truths that we don't like to talk about. But no matter how intelligent or technologically advanced we become in this world, we are still simply human beings who are born, who live as long as we can, and must one day die. Nothing in our human experience ever sustains us forever. Nothing ever recreates that joy and fulfillment completely. It's just the way we're created. But how long have we all sought it out and looked for it? But if there's nothing we can do here on earth, then why do we still never escape that longing? Well, I think the answer is, brothers and sisters, is that it has never been meant to be in this physical, sentient life we reside in to find it. That longing is meant to draw us somewhere else, somewhere upward, somewhere inward into a world that is a different world, a spiritual world. It is the place where God resides, the place that is not chained to time but is eternal. That is, I believe, what we were actually created to restore for ourselves and to be completely in this life. And that's what Jesus, I believe, is trying to explain this morning in the second reading that we have from this incredible sixth chapter of the Gospel of John. As Mother Sarah laid out so well last week, Jesus has just fulfilled one of his greatest of miracles. He's just fed over 5,000 people with only five loaves of barley bread and two small fish. And today he's moved on back across the Sea of Galilee to continue his important work spreading this good news. Only not long after he and his disciples arrive, those who were filled with those loaves and fishes find Jesus again. And they find themselves drawn to get something more. They want it. They need it. And so they follow him across the sea. Now, Jesus has just fed them with food, and we can only imagine that if there were 12 bushel baskets remaining after the feeding, there must have been plenty left over to keep them from going hungry as they traveled, and yet they want something else. And beyond that, whether they realize it or not, they want something that they received that was amazing on top of that mountain with Jesus, something that was deeper and greater than anything that they could have ever eaten or heard or experienced physically themselves. I think that joy and happiness and fulfillment must have been pulling them to God, just as that continued longing pulls all of humanity in the very same direction. In John's gospel this morning, Jesus brings it all together for us, not just 
for the 2,000 people, but for all of us who are here, just like them seeking that something which isn't fleeting, which doesn't fade away, that holds to us. Jesus says, very truly I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. I think that, brothers and sisters, is the greatest of revelations that's ever been presented to us through the Holy Scripture on this earthly plane. Friends, we get quick fleeting experiences of just that kind of sustenance throughout our earthly lives. We get a a taste of it in exhilarating experiences and beautiful, overwhelming sceneries that cause us to stop and look and long for more. And in those incredible moments of sensuality and love and joy in our personal lives and friendships. We get an experience of it and we want it again. But the physical things we do and see and feel and eat, as I said, never last. They fade away just as earthly bodies must do. But there is more to it than just these earthly bodies in this physical world. There is for us as we've been created indwelling spirit. There is a heart in which is within us where God resides. That is what we are truly being drawn to once we step out of this world, come through the doors of the church and come to God. That's why I believe you come every Sunday, every Sunday when you wake up and feel yourself wondering, shouldn't I go to church today? It's part of that indwelling spirit calling to you. That is what you get a taste of too when you come forward and reach out your hands to receive the body and blood of Jesus Christ. There is no way you can be fed by a communion wafer that tastes like cardboard dunked into a little shot glass sides chalice of port wine. But it is not what you are seeing with your eyes or tasting with your mouth that is there to fill you. It is that food Jesus speaks of that never perishes, that's there within the inner being of your soul meant to draw you closer to the only thing that you know in your heart as a son or daughter of God can fill you up and quench your thirst for eternity. It is that bread of life alone that restores us to that which we first felt the first time and came closest to when we were children and when we made that first dance or sung that first song that we didn't care was good or sounded right or when we got into a Jeep with our beloved uncle or father or mother or friend and went for that drive, feeling that eastward blowing wind that God released as he brought down the manna from heaven for the Israelites in the book of Exodus. That's that moment of experiencing God. And that's that moment, brothers and sisters, we are meant to be drawn to as God's creation. Jesus said, do not work for the food that perishes but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. Jesus is that bread of life. Let Jesus feed your soul and raise you up to where you have been born to be. Amen.